Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, and then the army returned to the camp and they spent the night there. Going on to verse 12. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets were sounding. And if we drop down to verse 15. And on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Dropping down to verse 20. Then the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a large shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it. Every man, every woman, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Verse 24 says, And then they burned the whole city and everything in it. They put the silver and the gold and the articles of bronze and iron in the treasury of the house, in the house of the Lord. And then in verse 27 it says, So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. When God moves, everybody's going to know about it. When God moves, everybody is going to know about it. You know, when Jesus healed the blind, two blind beggars, it says that they went out and spread his fame over all the region. And that's my heart for Market Harbour. When God moves, we are going to see an unprecedented rise of fame of Christ in this town. Hallelujah. The story of Jericho falling is one of the most vivid demonstrations of the miraculous power of God. But more than that, the utter destruction of Jericho teaches us several truths regarding God's grace and our salvation. And by salvation, what I mean is all what God wants us to come into. Because in Philippians 2, it says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, some people get a bit concerned about that scripture because they think that you've got to keep being good or you've got to keep coming to church or you've got to keep paying your tithes to remain a Christian. And I believe that once saved, you're always saved. And, you know, it's, you don't have to be baptised. Hear me clearly. You don't have to be baptised to be saved. You don't have to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be saved. But God wants us to come into the full measure of Christ. And he wants us to come into everything that God has for us. And so... It just teaches me about working out my salvation, moving into all what God has for me. The people of Israel had crossed over the Jordan into Canaan, and there was the land of milk and honey. God had promised this to them 500 years earlier. And they'd wandered around the wilderness for 40 40 years, round Sinai, and there they were on the banks of the Jordan, and their challenge was to take the land of Canaan, the promised land. But the first thing that was in their way was this city of Jericho, the unconquerable city of Jericho. 
and I've got a slide. I have two slides today. Isn't that amazing. <laughs> so I, I didn't realise this, but it's a double-walled city. So there was a retaining wall, and then there was another wall on top of that, and then there was this gap, and then there was a second wall. And you can see that um, some of the walls were... The, the second wall was nearly 50 feet above ground level, and they were six feet thick, these walls. Now... In those times, the way that you would take a wall, take a city like this, was that you would basically trap everybody inside and you would starve them into surrender because all the provisions had to come into the city. So if you basically barred the doors, basically everyone would starve to death and that's how you got in. Other methods were you could um, build siege towers or you could pile up soil and then you could climb over the wall that way. But all these things were very time-consuming, took a long time, and basically that's why people felt that that was impregnable to get into the city. But God laid out the strategy himself, and that's the first thing we need to know, that God himself laid out the strategy. And the second thing is that God's strategy seemed extremely foolish. Because... God simply told Joshua to have the people march around Jericho for six days and on the seventh day walk around seven times and shout. And on the face of it, that sounds absolutely ridiculous. And it is. But Joshua followed God's instruction to the letter. And when the people shouted, the wall fell down and they walked straight into the city. You see, it's interesting that when God speaks to Joshua, he says to Joshua, See, I have delivered you, I have delivered Jericho into your hands and its kings and its fighting men. And this was before they'd marched around the city once. Because God has made a way and he has given us the victory. Because in 1 John 4 it says, You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. And when... When, as people of faith, we follow the commands of God, the walls in our lives will fall down. You see, God's plans are the best plans. No matter how different or how foolish they seem, they are the best plans. And our aim is that we should make sure that God is in every decision in our lives. We should seek God concerning every decision. We should talk to our leaders, we should talk to our friends, we should talk to people who we know are listening to God. I'm not advocating heavy shepherding. I'm not saying to you that you should ask God every time you go to Starbucks which coffee you should have. But God should be the centre of our lives. He should be the hub. And the hub is the most important thing in our lives. It's the thing that people say, well, that's his world. Because Jesus is the ultimate authority. And if you're not sure whether God is the centre of your life, what defines you? What do people see when they look at you? You know, we can be defined by our job, we can be defined by our car, we can be defined by our children, by our family, we can be defined by many things. But I would like to be defined by God. Yes. When people talk about Stephen Russell, the first thing I want them to say is, well, he's a Christian. I don't care if they mean that cynically or, you know, a bit Christian. But that's what I want people to know me by. Because I know in my own past, when things have not gone very well, 
and I've discussed them with people or my leaders, the first question they usually ask is, well, what did God say to you about it? And I have to say, well, I don't know, I never asked. Because God needs to be in the centre of our lives. The description, the complete obliteration of Jericho, it tells me, or teaches me several lessons. And the most important thing is obedience. Because when we're obedient to God, the things that seem foolish will bring victory in our lives. You know, sometimes we're faced with unsurmountable odds. And we're looking for a Jericho victory, aren't we? When I was being brought up as a Christian, people used to talk about the Jerichos in our lives. Oh, it's a Jericho, and you require a Jericho victory. But reading this, what God has said to me is that Jericho situations do require Jericho victories, but they also require Jericho obedience. Because when we're obedient to God, he will give us all that we're calling upon. Because Joshua went to, the, went to the battle with great confidence because God had said to him, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Because we live under a God who has won a victory. Right. He is victorious. Just as an aside, I just want to talk about the devil. <laughs> Talking about the devil at church. But I think we give the devil too much credence. And I just want to say something. The devil has three names. His first name is Lucifer. He was the bearer of light. He was the day star. It means brightness. And that was his exalted name. And then you also find in the Bible that he's known as Satan, which means the adversary. That was his fallen name. But he's the devil. Because he's defeated. He's a slanderer. He's a liar. He's an accuser of the brethren. But Jesus beat him on the cross. And he beat him in his own backyard. And he's just a devil. He's nothing else. And I've made it a point now that I don't blame the devil for everything in my life. Because I look at it and I think, well, am I doing what God's wanted me to do? He's very real. He's the accuser of the brethren. But he's defeated. Because of the power of Christ. Because in Romans 8 it says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It is the truth. And I read the other day in Hebrews 2, and I'm reading from the message translation. It says, He destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. There are so many people out there who are cowering through life and scared to death of death. So many people are scared of death. But the Bible says that I've already passed from death to life. I've already passed from death to life. When I die, whenever that will be, many years' time, I hope, I will just pass into his presence because I've already passed from death to life. That's so exciting. Imagine that. I'm not scared of death. Spike Milligan said, I'm not scared of death, I just don't want to be there when it happens. (laughs) But I've already passed from death to life. 
the Canaanites had many gods. And they, they believed in God. They believed in Jehovah. They considered him a nature god because he parted the Jordan and he parted the Red Sea. They considered him a war god because, he def- because of the defeat at Sihon and Og. But he was not a fortress god because no one could defeat a walled city. And this morning I want to say that God is all-powerful. He is all-powerful. And every situation in your life, he is able to overcome it. You know, I have to be truthful with you. I I sometimes look at God and I think, well, finances, I've got that nailed. You know, financial things can come against me. I see God as my financial God. But when I see God as my future God and my future, I think, ooh, that's a bit dodgy. And I, I have concerns. And we, must look at, we mustn't look at God as, you know, we divide things into our lives like health, finance, protection, the future, worry. But God covers all those things because he is the mighty God, because he's already won the victory. And when we follow God like that, when we involve God, we come to know him more. Because it says in 1 John 2, it says, we know that we... We know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. When we keep his commands, we come to know him more because we involve God. We don't become like Jericho where we shut ourselves in and keep God out. Hallelujah. Something else I saw that there is a vast difference between God's way and man's way. Oh, that is vast. In Isaiah 55, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways nor my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And it brings us back to that thing that God may tell us to do something that seems very foolish and not the way we would have done it. But we need to hold fast because we must never question God's purpose. We must have faith that God is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he's going to do. And we need to hold unswervingly to that truth. Remember Mary. It was interesting, I started to look at Mary and there's only two major discourses in the word of God about Mary. And on both occasions, she did exactly what God told her to do. The first time he said, you're going to have a child. And she said, whatever, you, whatever it is, Lord, be it unto your servant. And the second time was at the wedding. And she said to the, um, she said to the disciples or the servants, she said, whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. Now, sometimes we don't see the word of God manifest in our lives. We don't see it coming into action. But we need to keep walking. We need to keep walking in obedience and faith because we will see salvation because the power of God is supernatural. The power of God is so supernatural, it's beyond any of our comprehension. The walls of Jericho fell instantly and completely. They collapsed by the sheer power of God. It was not a breach It wasn't like that dam in Whaley Bridge. It wasn't a little breach. (coughs) 
with respect, if God had took that dam out, it would have just gone like that. It wouldn't have cracked slightly. It wasn't a whirlwind. It wasn't an earthquake. It wasn't a little nook or a split. It totally collapsed. Because when God breaks in, he doesn't break in in half measures. He comes in totally. God is beyond any scientific understanding, any scientific law or nature. He cannot be explained by science. He cannot be quantified or qualified by any scale or measure because he is the all-powerful God. There's a great discourse between God and Job. And Job's not a book that I read very often, but God's talking to Job and he sort of says to him, well, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you understand. It's so cheeky in a way, isn't it? Or who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? And on what were its footings set? Or who laid the cornerstone? You know, this, the, the power of God in our lives, and I, I'm speaking to myself this morning, if I could realise what the power of God is in my life, man, it is the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It is the same power that said, in the beginning, God said, and the universe came into existence. The hymn writer says this, he says, sun, moon, and winter, springtime and harvest, sorry, summer and winter, springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. You know, scientists are still trying to consider how the universe was held together. Well, they've only got to read Colossians 1.16. That's all they've got to read. Because it says in 1 Colossians 16, it says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. God did not only create this universe... He's actually holding it together. That's That's a bit scary. If God decided not to, it would go. It's held together by the power of his word. That is amazing. You can send that to uh, somebody in NASA or something. Colossians 1, 16 to 17. God holds everything together. By the power of his word. Amazing. So there is an uncompromising relationship between our faith and our obedience to him. The walls of Jericho, the the Jericho story is mentioned in Hebrews, the great chapter of faith. And it says by faith, in Hebrews 11.30, it says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell because the army marched around it for seven days. Now, their faith had failed many times in the past, as does mine. But in this instance, the children of Israel believed and trusted God in their promises. And they were saved by their faith. And we're saved by faith today. Because it says in Romans 5, we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And our faith will defeat the devil. It will defeat the Jerichos in our lives. Because when we're obedient to him and we follow him, we persevere. 
Saving faith impels us to, be, to trust God and to believe God. In Matthew 7, it talks about the wise builder. It says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise builder who built his house upon the rock. And in 1 John 2, it says, we know that we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. That's a tough verse. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly completing them. Hallelujah. When Chris came the other week, he talked about the book of the law. And Joshua was commanded at the start of his ministry. And it said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate, read it day and night, day and night. Don't go to the left or to the right, but follow everything. Be careful to follow everything in it. And then success and victory will follow you. Be careful to do what God's telling us to do. Something else I saw from this story was that they were silent. They went round the walls in silence. And I thought, well, why were they in silence? Well, my only thought is they didn't want to talk themselves out of what they believed. Because sometimes we have to be careful what we hear. We have to be very careful what we hear. And in Mark chapter 4, it says this. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear. Consider carefully what you hear. The primary purpose of ears is hearing. Some people, it's for hanging ornaments, and some people, some people, it's to stop their hat falling over their eyes. But the primary purpose of ears is to hear. But it's interesting that the same discourse in Luke chapter eight says, "Therefore, consider carefully how you hear." So in Mark, it says, "What you hear." And in Luke, it says, how you hear. Now, the Gospels are not contradictory to one another. Okay? Tony Ling says he believes in all the contradictions in the Bible. <laughs> but they're not contradictory because Mark sees it differently to Luke. And the only way I can describe that is that if we was to go into Market Harbour and we was to get to the crossroads and I put four of you on the crossroads and we arrange for a car crash... We wouldn't do that, really. But we saw, we, let's say we witnessed a car crash. And then we asked each person to give testimony in a court of law what they saw. You would all describe it differently from your perspective. And Luke may have described it differently because he was a doctor. But what you hear talks about content. It's what you hear. But how you hear talks about your attitude. And your attitude can affect your hearing. That's right, absolutely. And I see this on a Sunday. Because sometimes on a Sunday I'll say something and people will come to me and they'll say, they'll have, they'll have listened to a totally different message to the other person. <laughs> Somebody will come to me and say, blah, 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 blah. And then another person will come to me and they'll say, blah, 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 blah. And I'll think, were they in the same meeting? <laughs> Did they go somewhere else? Because our attitude can be a filter and we see this with our children, don't we? 
when my children were growing up, I would say to them, you should do this, and you should do that, and you need to do this, and you need to do that. And as teenagers, they'd go, oh, Dad. Then they'd go and see somebody else, and they'd say exactly the same thing, and they'd do it. That's so frustrating. Because their attitude affects their hearing. And we need to make sure that our attitude is right. And we need to be careful what we listen to. Because what goes in comes out. You know, Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, he, he called them a brood of vipers. And he said, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The, AV, the authorised version, which I love to quote, says, from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's right. That's right. And sometimes we need to walk away. We need to turn it off. We need to not look. I was at work the other day and somebody said, oh, I've got this really great joke I want to tell everybody. I said, is it rude? And they said, yes, and I just walked away. I didn't need to hear it. Our attitude affects our hearing. Our attitude affects our obedience to the word of God. And we need to make sure that we hear good things, good anointed things, that we listen to good anointed music. God is a promise-keeping God. The story tells us that God keeps his promises. The word of God came to the Israelites and God said, I have delivered you. I have delivered Jericho to you. And he is just as unwaving today. God is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. He has given us great and exceeding promises. He's given us, it says in 2 Peter, it says, he's given us precious promises so that we may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by its evil desires. And I know that this morning some of us are facing Jerichos. We all face Jerichos in our lives at some point. And I want to encourage you this morning to keep going. Keep walking around that problem. Because God has delivered you. Because his word is true. His word is true. We've learned this morning that it's not enough to say I believe in God and then live in an ungodly manner. God wants us to be defined by him. And if we truly believe God, our desire is to obey God and put our faith to work. We need to make every effort to do exactly what God is telling us to do and to keep his commandments, to know his word and to listen to the prophetic word that comes to us through many different channels. But God is a speaking God. If we have faith, we are compelled to obey God and God gives us victory over all the enemies in our lives. We need to be careful how we hear and we need to be careful what we hear. I just want to go back to that. I want to give a, a quite a personal testimony. Many years ago, I was in a church and there was three elders. And one of the elders I had a problem with. And it wasn't his problem, it was my problem. And two of the elders... They could say anything at all to me. I'd go, yep, that's right, that's from the Lord. 
But woe betide if the third one said anything, because it was never from God if he said anything. It actually was. But it was because my attitude affected my hearing. And sometimes we can have an attitude towards a person and it affects what he's saying to us. And we miss out on what God is trying to do in our lives. And I remember I came to a point where many years later, I went to a, a seminar and this guy was preaching and I went into the seminar and when I heard it was him, I thought, <laughs> you know, and I'd carried that for years. It was awful when I think about it. And he preached something and it changed my life. It was like I could feel it trying to get into my heart, but I wasn't going to accept it because it was from him. That was my attitude. It was from him. And I felt it pushing into my heart. And eventually I let it in. And when I let it in, I felt such a release. And I had to go to this man and I said, I told him, every, I told him everything. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, I know. <laughs> he said, yeah, I know. And I'd held that for so many years. And I'd missed out under the ministry of a man. So our attitude is so important. I just felt I needed to share that with somebody. Obedience is clear evidence of faith in our lives. And our faith is the evidence to others that we truly believe in him. We can conquer and be victorious through life by faith. A faith that obeys the God who gives us faith as a free gift. That's amazing. That's another message. So, this morning, if you're facing something, God wants to break down the walls and he wants, to he wants you to possess the land. He wants you to possess a land full of milk and honey. And I looked at what that actually meant, what milk and honey actually means. And milk, sorry, honey in the Bible talks about delight it talks about joy. It talks about good health. It talks about prosperity. Sweet honey. You read about honey in the Psalms. It's all about a yumminess. God wants us to have yumminess in our lives. Milk. Milk talks about life. It's actually derived from the word meaning um, fertility. And it's also the first food that many children have. It's, it's very, very important. And it talks about abundance and it meets every need. So when a child is born and it's breastfed with milk, that's all it ever has because it meets every need. And God wants us to come into a land full of milk and honey, flowing with milk and honey. Yeah. So if there's a Jericho in your life, or if you ever come against a Jericho, keep going. Keep reading the word of God. Keep listening to what God is saying, because he hasn't forgot your situation. Julian um, keeps re referring to a song called, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And the second line is, he works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. And God works in ways that we can't see. He works in foolish ways to man. But whatever the situation is, because often when we face situations, we think to ourselves, 
well, if this was to happen and that was to happen and this was to happen and that was to happen, there's a situation I face in my job and I think, well, if this was to happen and that was to happen and this was to happen, and I get into all sorts of mental logistics and I have no control of the situation at all. But I often think to myself, but God works in ways that I cannot see. And when, we get, when I get to the end of that situation and it all turns out fine, I'll go, ah. But we need to be like that now. We need to have that faith. I have already delivered Jericho into your hands and its fighting men and its king. And I'm going to close there. But I just felt an impression from God this morning and I shared this with the leaders that I believe that for some of us we need a word of wisdom and I'm not going to make an appeal but I just feel that today or tomorrow or next week and as this word settles in your heart if you want a word of wisdom from God then seek that from the leaders and Julian said something to me this morning at the prayer he said that you'd spoke at Woody's Life Group about, um, prophetic about prophetic ministry. And Woody had said, should we call upon the prophets to bring the word of God into our lives? And the answer is yes. Yes. So I remember many years ago, Julian might not remember this, but we was at uh, Narborough and Littlethorpe Village Hall. And I remember going to Julian at an appeal and I said, Julian, bring the word of God to me. And he did look a bit shocked, I have to say. But he did bring the word of God to me. And sometimes we need to say to God, I need to hear your word. I need to know your wisdom for this situation. I need to know what you're telling me about this situation. And God will bring a word to you. God will bring a word to you. And when you get that word, it brings you a tremendous release. Another testimony. Many years ago, David asked me to go to uh, Norway to a conference. And David had just started a relationship and met Anna. And David said to me, I'd love you to meet Anna. And uh, I remember we were staying with this family and we said to them, oh, Anna's coming to see us on Tuesday morning or wherever it was. And the lady in the house said, oh, what, what have you done wrong? And we was a bit like, you know, who is this Arna? So Arna turned up and um, he, uh, he chatted with us. And I was facing a situation in my life at the time which was quite serious and I was a bit sort of concerned about it and really wanted God's wisdom in it. And I didn't know Arna. I met him and we were chatting. We had coffee and cake and didn't know him that well. And Arna, as Arna does, leaned over and he said, I just want to talk to you about this situation. And I was like, all ears then, you know. It was definitely a word from the Lord. He didn't know anything about the situation. He said, I just want to speak to you about the situation. And he didn't say, you need to do this, you need to do that. He said, God knows the situation and he will bring you through it victoriously. And about four weeks later, the thing that I had dreaded happened you know, I'd almost like prophesied it myself into existence. And it actually happened. And I was staying away, I was, I was away, and I was in a hotel. And I remember when it happened, I went back to, I was given this news that I didn't want to hear. And I went back to my room, and I remember shutting the door in the hotel room. And I remember standing in the hotel room like this. And I just felt completely at peace. Because I knew that God knew. 
I knew that God knew. And within four weeks, the whole thing had been sorted out because I was at peace, because I knew that God knew. And it can be something as simple as that. So in closing, I'd just like to say, keep going, obey God, know his word, and seek his counsel. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.